0: Welcome back to Second and Short. It is July 21st, 2023. Yes, I got the date right this time. Not like Wednesday's episode, but I have some unfortunate news. Uh, Luke will not be joining me on today's episode. Uh, In fact, nobody will be. Um, It's a long story, but to keep it short, me and Luke plan to record at 7 o'clock, and it is now 9.30 p.m., and Luke's internet or er, Luke's power has been out at his house since like 5 p.m. Wasn't able to get a fill in. So, uh, you're just rocking with me today, and that's not going to change anything. Yeah, I, I might be a little rough, but we've got plenty to talk about, and uh, a little power outage ain't going to stop me. So, Obviously, MLB recap started off, a little bit of weekend preview, NFL news, some storylines to watch this season in the NFL, as well as some transfer news, and uh, we'll wrap it up after that, but yeah, lock in, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be a wild ride, so uh, let's just see how this goes. You know what, it, it might be a little bit rough, but um, I know you guys are rocking with me, so let's go ahead and get it started in the MLB, and as I have for the last couple of weeks, we're going to start with winners and losers. Our first winner of the week in the MLB, a water cooler in the Mariners' dugout. Yeah, who would have thought inanimate objects would be winning winners and losers? But Jared Kelenic made the decision that hurts about one to two players every year, which is attacking an inanimate object in the dugout. This time, Jared Kelenic entered the dugout hot. He was heated, kicked a water cooler, which resulted in a broken foot. Like... (laughs) Come on. You've seen so many guys make this mistake year after year. Guys like uh, Waskar, you essentially ended his career by punching the dugout. Like it's things like this that you just don't understand. But this one leads me perfectly into my first loser of this week. It's a fan, not the one that roots for your team, but the one that cools you off. Uh, in this instance, cools you off in the dugout. And unlike Jared Kellenick, this inanimate object had no chance. Tommy Canely was hot coming in the dugout and absolutely destroyed this fan. Throws a glove at it, knocks it off the thing it was on, and as it hits the ground, he goes apeshit, just curb-stomping this fan and just absolutely destroyed it. So, um, yeah, it, it just looks like... um. Inanimate objects. Big this week in the MLB. But my next winner, members of MLB Twitter, because we found out today it is likely that if Shohei Otani does get traded, the Angels are going to wait until the last 48 to 24 hours before that August 1st trade deadline. So, you know, if he does get traded, which I'm, I'm hoping for him, you know, is the case, we might get an all time Jeff Pass and bomb. Uh, Our next loser, the Angels, because they're essentially getting forced to trade one of the greatest players we've ever seen play baseball. And this this isn't, you know, unprecedented. We've seen great players traded because of contract situations or, or so be it, but this is a guy like we've never seen before, and we say it every week, but imagine What it's going to feel like as the GM of the Angels, as the owner of the Angels, to give up a guy like Shohei Ohtani, a guy that you won the sweepstakes for. It was a big, big deal when they got Shohei to come to Anaheim and be a part of this team. And it just hasn't worked out when it comes to the success of the club. Of course, Shohei Ohtani is a superstar. For him, it's worked out. For the Angels, yeah, you sold some more jerseys, you got more people in the stadium, but you didn't put enough on the field to back it up. And you essentially screwed yourselves out of the greatest player that we may have ever seen in MLB history. So, yeah, the losers here are the Angels because not only are they kind of forced to trade one of the greatest players we've ever seen, but on top of it, they put themselves in this situation. It's just... It's mind boggling what the Angels continue to fool us with every year. Uh, but our next winner isn't fooling anybody. He's been doing this for a long, long time. Miguel Cabrera. This guy is an active Hall of Famer. Like just one of the greatest hitters we've seen in this generation. And since May 7th, the old man is heating up. 284 batting average, a 384 on base. The guy has been fantastic, and at this point in his career, yeah, you could ask for more. But, good God, like honestly, you can't really ask for more out of a guy out of like Miguel Cabrera. Like that's the numbers you've been looking for. Too bad the Tigers suck, and you know this is likely his last season. But it's still nice to see the guy. You know, hopefully he can go out on top. And then my next loser. Surprisingly, it's the Rays since their twenty nine and seven start that everybody was gawking at, like uh, even us on this show. Undoubtedly, we were obsessed with this Rays team. They've gone thirty one and thirty two since that twenty nine and seven start, and they now sit second place in the AL East behind the Baltimore Orioles. How crazy of a year does it have to be? Not only for the Rays to be as good as they are and do all these things and start like they did, but for the Orioles to be the one to dethrone them in the AL East. Like it is, it is a wild time in the MLB. Let me tell you. Our next winner, our last winner of the week, MLB fans, because it is officially trade season and we got it kicked off yesterday. With the Oakland Athletics trading first-year rookie Japanese pitcher Shintaro Fujinami to the Baltimore Orioles. I think this is a huge move for the Orioles. Yes, Fujinami has not showed his potential, really at all. A horrible ERA. The stats just don't look good. Yeah, he he can get upper 90s pretty easy. But if a guy's not pitching good, a guy's not pitching good. What they're doing in Baltimore is adding a guy that they know has the potential and has a future there, but knowing that he's going to be a project, but hopefully you can get a little bit of positive work out of him this season. I don't think that's too much to ask for out of him. He's a great player. We saw that when he played in Japan. But keep in mind the fact that this guy has almost no minor league experience. Yes, he's played a lot in Japan, but he's still a young pitcher. He came to Oakland, plays in spring training, does pretty well. And then you put him out on the field. He was in the starting rotation and it just hasn't worked out, but you can't blame the guy. And, uh, you know, on the other side, I can't blame the Orioles for trading for a guy like this. I think it's such a fantastic, future-oriented, but also improving your team in the now. And I think that that move is fantastic. In as well as that, could be a little more enticing to get Shohei to Baltimore if you've got one of his fellow Japanese nationals with him. So I think this is a fantastic move by the Orioles, and I couldn't be happier the trade season has officially begun And I was going to leave this one to Luke, but as we know, he's not here. My last loser is Carlos Rodon. Good God. Not just a bad start. I think it was like 4.4 innings pitched, and he walked a a shit ton of guys. But the New York Post just absolutely ripping him for blowing a kiss to the fans in Anaheim. Oh, my God. Was it bad? And, And... You know, two starts into his Yankees career, he sure is not looking good. And and this happens every time. Me and Luke have talked about this, the the effect that the media plays and just the, the spotlights of being a New York Yankee means. When you put on those pinstripes, there is a standard. Though most of their team is certainly not living up to that standard this season. I'm looking at you, Josh Donaldson. But it just seems like he should be better and and it's not too much to ask for out of a guy like this i i think i think that a guy like this who had such a fantastic year last year has been an all-star pitcher should be good enough to come to new york and at least do his job but if you can't get past the 5th inning you aren't doing your job and that's that's what's happening to carlos rodon right now uh, but that's going to do it for winners and losers. And I'll just follow this up with the Yankees because not not only is Carlos Redon and the rest of the pitching staff suck, they can't hit the ball either. This Yankees lineup struck out 42 times in their series versus the Angels. That's, that's their second most in a three-game series in franchise history. Only one less than in 2021 against the White Sox. I don't know what the Yankees are going to do at the trade deadline. But these next 10, 11 days that you've got, you've got to do something because you're not a team that's out of contention. Yeah, the Orioles and the Rays have certainly made their lead on the AL East, but the wild card spot is, is still very much up for grabs. Like, it's, it's nowhere out of your hands. When you look at the wild card, yeah, maybe the Yankees are fifth in their division, they're also three and a half games back from a wild card spot, and three of the other teams in their division are ahead of them. The Boston Red Sox only a game ahead of them at two and a half uh, out, and then the Astros sit with the third, and then the Blue Jays and Rays both in the wild card. The Yankees aren't out of it, and they're a team that does not like to be sellers. So, are they going to make adjustments? Or what I feel like they should do is. Honestly, just make fair trades at the deadline. Give up Josh Donaldson for maybe like a a solid relief pitcher. Give up some of these guys. Yeah, keep the youth. Keep Aaron Judge. Keep maybe Rizzo, though he's, he's still underperforming. But there's guys here that you can keep. But guys like Franchi Cordero and Josh Donaldson do not need to be around. And if you want to be a contender... You got to pick up some guys. You got to give up some farm system. Maybe even give up some of these pitchers you got. Give up one of those bullpen arms. Maybe a young one like Clark Schmidt. You could get some value out of guys like this, and maybe turn it around. But I just I don't know if they're willing. I know that you know this Yankees front office never shies away from a challenge, but you know it's not 2009, and and it hasn't been for quite some time. In case you haven't realized. And it just doesn't seem like the Yankees have it and trust me, if Luke was here right now, I'd be slandering them just as hard don't don't let that fool you. I would certainly be slandering these guys, but it's just it's honestly disgraceful from what we've seen from the Yankees. Yes, fifty and 47 is certainly not a bad record, but year after year, we place these expectations on the basis of these pinstripes on a jersey and it's just not doing enough week in week out day in day out they don't do enough to win baseball games but that's neither here nor there let's get to this next one this is just a fun fact there's been 10 pitches in the major leagues this season at 104 or harder nine of them have been thrown by one, Johan Duran, the other by Jordan Hicks, and four of them happened in one night the other day by Johan Duran. This guy's unbelievable, and I'm saying it right now, the Twins are not a very good team. Yes, they're leading their division. If they go cold in this next week and a half, I think you ship out Johan Duran and get you some fantastic pieces because bullpen pitching is going to be a hot commodity at the deadline. Let me tell you, there is so many teams up and down these standings that would love a relief pitcher, especially some of those top-tier teams that have the talent to give up. They're going to be looking at Johan Duran. Don't think the Twins are going to get no calls just because they lead this division right now. Their phones are going to be blowing up. There's guys on that team that have value. But how you know, how much are they going to value their own players at this deadline? Are they going to be like, we've got a good squad here. We're confident we can win games to keep this lead. Or are they going to be like any other team that just, you know, 50 and 48? They're in the same boat as the Yankees, except they lead their division. The Yankees are dead last. Look, the Twins have almost a free ticket. It's them and the Guardians. And if they can just be better than the Guardians, they get into the playoffs. Does that mean they're going to succeed? Hell no. I I don't think they have the offense to succeed. Are they going to be buyers at the deadline, though? I I don't see that happening. I, I can't imagine them being buyers. And if you're not a buyer at the MLB trade deadline, then you're a seller. All right, my next one. This this is it's hard, but this is just a follow-up. A couple of weeks ago, my winners and losers, it might have been one of my first. I had one of the four Austins that were catchers in the MLB being atrocious at the plate this season, and Austin Barnes just isn't helping himself since then. He just had... The other night, his third hitless at bat of the game. He is now officially sub 100 this season. He is batting 10 for 101 this season. My God, if that does not deserve a DFA, I, I don't know what does. Uh, but our next thing, the Baltimore Orioles. They have not been swept in a series since May of 2022. And that coincidentally, the beginning of Adley Rutschman's MLB career. So um, yeah, we'll see how long that lasts, but you know, hopefully somebody can take some series off of him because I got a feeling Adley's going to be around for a while. Uh, But that's going to do it for the MLB news. Let's get into the weekend preview. And we've got An action-packed weekend, let me tell you, because first of all, yes, of course, I always start off with the Braves because they keep playing good series over the weekends, and this one's no exception. The Braves and the Brewers is a huge series standings-wise. The Braves, who have really, really struggled since the return from the All-Star game, yeah, they're ten and a half games ahead in the division over the Phillies and Marlins tied in second but it's a little bit bigger for the Brewers. They've only got two and a half games on Cincinnati, and Cincinnati certainly doesn't have an easy series this week, but we'll get to that. The Brewers have a fantastic opportunity to capitalize on a team that has not been very good, and I'm willing to say that. I am willing to say that about my own Atlanta Braves. They have not been good since the restart, but the problem for the Brewers is that They have guys on this Atlanta Braves team that are getting hot. And not just getting hot, staying hot. Austin Riley has been on a tear unlike any other. He has been smacking the ball. I think he's got four in his last three. Like, four home runs in your last three games. Matt Olson sure as hell ain't slowing down. He hit his 31st and 32nd home runs of the season in this one. He's at 80 RBIs this season. And of course, we have the guy named Ronald Acuña. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's going to he's going to win the MVP in the National League, uh, barring any madness, but I I just it's the pitching. It's the pitching for the Braves right now. And you can't deny it. And it doesn't help that we're going to start this weekend off on Friday with Mike Soroka on the mound against Freddy Peralta. Yeah, Freddy Peralta certainly hasn't been good. Mike Soroka definitely has not been good. Yeah, he hasn't had a ton of options. It's taken a long time for him to even get back to a mound in the, me- in the major leagues, let alone come out here and pitch confidently. And I, I think that's what's missing. I think the confidence is missing and I get it. I understand that that's going to happen. When you're out of the game for that long, when you have that hard of injuries and re-injuries, it sucks. It undoubtedly sucks. But once he's got his confidence back, who's to say he isn't going to be one of the one of the better pitchers in this rotation because we know he can be. That's that's the issue here with this series this weekend, is whose pitching is going to win it? Because, look, the Braves lineup's going to score runs. But if you've got great pitching on the mound, it's going to slow them down. We saw that. You know, the Diamondbacks, yes, some high-scoring games there against the Diamondbacks, obviously the 16-13 loss. But it's really just been the home runs in these last two games that are even close to helping us. And, yes, we did win on Thursday, but Wednesday we didn't really have a chance. You know? And against the White Sox, we couldn't get the bats going at all. It, outside of that series opener, it really was not good enough. It was very uncharacteristic, this Atlanta Braves team. So I think this weekend series is going to be much more than we could have asked for. So Braves Brewers, tune in. I think it's a four-gamer. And then my next one, Orioles Rays. What a time for this one to come up. Like, how perfect is that? That we get Orioles raise, and we get it for the full weekend. It started today with an Orioles win in 10 innings. Like, you couldn't write it any better for the Baltimore Orioles to continue this surge than to face the team right behind them now. It was written in the stars for the Baltimore Orioles to heat up right now because... This was a do-or-die series, and they've already got it off on the right foot. And when you look at these two teams, maybe at the beginning of the season, you look at it on paper, yeah, we know the Orioles had a good turnaround last year. The Rays weren't all that good last year. But you can't deny the numbers. And when you've got guys like Jose Siri leading your team in home runs with 19, and Randy Arozarena not far behind at 17 home runs, Yandy Diaz, Batting 318 with a 401 on base percentage and a 503 slugging. And then back to Randy with the 61 RBIs. He's batting 272, which is phenomenal for a guy like Randy. When you pair that with the stellar rotation, that yes, sometimes has been shaky, but you've got a perennial Cy Young candidate. And, you know, all of this stuff going on with this team, y- you can't deny what they've got. And, um, yeah, the the Rays are so good, but the Orioles on the other side are just as good, if not better. They've got, once again, good pitching, but it can be shaky sometimes. But I think the Orioles' advantage here is that they have Yenier Cano and Felix Bautista, who have been two of the best relievers this season. Felix Bautista has done nothing but shined in that closer role, and Yenier Cano has been the best setup man you can find in the MLB this season. I don't care who you are, who's on your team, you can't deny that Yenier Cano has not been, or you can't deny that he has been the best setup guy this season. And when you pair that with good enough starting pitching, yes, Tyler Wells a great starting pitcher. But when you pair that with the other pieces that you have in this rotation that are good enough to get you some innings, they're innings eaters. And that rotation and that bullpen paired with this lineup that, yeah, it's full of surprises, but these are all good players, man. Anthony Santander, yeah, he's had his ups, he's had his downs. He's having a fantastic year this season. 271 batting average, 17 home runs, 54 RBIs. Austin Hayes, batting over three hundred, three oh four, 304 with a four seventy-nine slugging. You can't ask for more out of these guys. And yeah, Cedric Mullins is on the I.L., but that hasn't slowed him down. They still have Adley Rutschman. They still have Jorge Mateo. There's enough here for this Orioles team to get the four-game sweep. And that's what we're looking for. Obviously, the 2-2 split probably makes the most sense here, but with that first game in a a nail-biter, final in the 10th, for the Orioles to win that one is huge for their momentum into the rest of this weekend, so look forward to that one, and then we have the Reds series that I alluded to earlier. They take on the Diamondbacks, and they bring them to Cincinnati, but it's not going to be easy. Ask the Braves. It is not going to be easy, and I really don't know how this one swings. I got to be honest. These are two fantastic young ball clubs. Just absolutely fantastic. But one has what the other one doesn't. The Diamondbacks have pitching. Yes, it's mainly Zach Gallen, But they have pitching. Cincinnati, on the other hand, has a wildly inconsistent, hard-throwing Hunter Green. They have... Andrew Abbott, who has been f- nothing short of fantastic this season. You can't knock him whatsoever. And just a bunch of guys that just kind of come in and get it done. But, like, your leader in wins this season in the starting rotation is Ian Gabot with eight wins. You need more. You really do. You need more out of this starting rotation, and you probably need to make some additions. I think these are two teams that are going to be feisty at the trade deadline. And honestly, there might be some trades to go down this weekend while you're watching these teams' games. So, um, yeah, watch out for that one because I think this series is going to be nothing short of fantastic three-game series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Great American Ballpark. If you live anywhere near Ohio, I'm sorry, first of all, if you live in Ohio, but even if you live in Kentucky, Go watch Greatness up there at Great American Ballpark because these are some guys you can't miss. <laughs> Ellie De La Cruz threw like almost 100 miles per hour today on a relay throw to home, got the guy out by a mile. Christian, or oh, Christian Incarnacion Strand, who, first of all, took the strand off the back of his jersey and, and took away all of our hope to see that long last name on a jersey. Kid's great. He is He is fantastic, and he's shown it in his first couple of games. You've got guys like Matt McLean and Spencer Steele on this Reds team. These are guys you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss Joey Votto. I don't care how old he is. If you've never watched Joey Votto play baseball in person, you got to go catch a game. And don't get me started on the Diamondbacks. You want to miss Corbin Carroll in his rookie year? This guy, this guy's different, guys. He's got a small frame. He's a small guy when you look at him. He's speedy, and he's got 19 home runs. These are guys you can't miss. So, if you can't make it in person, you better be watching D-backs Reds on TV. Let me tell you. And then the final one, a battle for the West. Well, in two different leagues, the Dodgers and Rangers. And, um... The Dodgers doing what most people in L.A. are doing and going to Texas to play this series. And you know what? I I just I feel like this is all the Rangers here. The Dodgers are primed for another slowdown, I feel. Yes, Mookie's heating up. Freddie's been hot. JD's heated up a little bit. It just seems like the pitching, the pitching is what doesn't work and... That is very uncharacteristic of the Dodgers, especially from the last couple of years that we've seen. They sit at 55 and 40, which certainly nothing to scoff at. The Rangers are better, honestly. And it's not just because their record is better. Yeah, 58 and 39 is better than the Dodgers. They have a better rotation when I when, when you look at it, honestly. This season alone, I'd say they have a better rotation. I'd say that they hey, certainly have a better lineup. Because it's pretty hard. We saw the All-Star game. You all watched the All-Star game. Did you see how many Rangers they had on the field? Because in case you forgot, in the second inning, there was six of them. That is that is some, some unheard of things. And when you've got guys on this team like Adolis Garcia and Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, who we all know Corey Seager turns up at this time of the year. When you've got guys on your team like that, as well as some young guys like Josh Young, Jonah Heim behind the plate. This, you know, the li- there is no limit. I was going to say the sky's the limit. There is no limit. They'll get right through the sky. It ain't stopping them. Dude, this team has made leodi Tavares look good. He's batting two he He's got a four sixty eight slugging. This team's for real, and um, if you're not watching this one, you must be watching another series that I just talked about because this is all can't-miss-baseball, honestly. But I think that's going to do it for the weekend preview. Let's go ahead and talk about some NFL because quite a few major things happened today and across the last couple of days. So NFL owners met today and approved the sale of the Commanders for that reported $6.05 million price tag by the Josh Harris Group. And it's official. They have finally ripped the Commanders slash football team slash redacted out of the grimy, horrible hands of one Dan Snyder. And promptly, just a few hours later, they fine Dan Snyder 60 million dollars for sexual harassment in the workplace and I'm so glad this happened obviously not glad that you know what he did happened but the fact that he is being reprimanded because it seemed like he was trying to get this whole thing you know kind of use his sale of the team for you know incentives and the NFL didn't didn't do it. They bucked up. They made him sell the team, and they fined him $60 million. And $60 million isn't much for a guy that just got $6 billion for his franchise. But, you know, that's something you see in the bank account. I don't care if you got billions. You notice the $60 i missing. I'll say that. But I am just so glad that this guy is done. And he ain't coming back. I, we all know that for a fact. Dan Snyder ain't coming back. So to all of the Washington fans, um, congratulations. Because um, maybe your team will have a chance in the future. De- definitely not this year, but um, you got Eric Bieniemy. Uh Next point, though. Cowboys six-time All-Pro guard Zach Martin... He's considering not reporting to training camp due to his unhappiness with his contract, and I don't blame him. The guy is getting criminally underpaid. He said it himself. It is crazy what they're doing to this man, especially when they've you know, said that they're open to working on contract extensions for guys like CeeDee Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, Terrence Steele, and Jerry Jones has even discussed restructuring Dak Prescott's contract. But you don't want to pay Zach Martin? Look, I know, Dak has not been good. You certainly can't blame it on Zach Martin because that guy is nothing short of amazing. This offensive line would be absolutely nothing without him. And you you know, everybody knows the value of the trenches, and especially your quarterback knows, and especially your coaches know that the guys in the trenches do all the dirty work. So, Jerry Jones, I know you like, your whole GM, owner, whatever bullshit you do, go ahead and pay Zach Martin. It's not going to hurt. Sell off that yacht that you were on during the draft a couple years ago. You could pay everybody. But, um, yeah, pay Zach Martin. It's ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about the running back situation. We talked about it a little bit on Wednesday, but uh, a few more guys have hopped in. And, uh, yeah, let's start with the funny one. We'll start with the funny one. Le'Veon Bell tweeted, Disney, a long time ago, and in parentheses, 1998, taught me a valuable lesson about sticking together. Go watch A Bug's Life. It'll put in perspective the running back market. The running backs are the ants. I'm Flick, the inventive ant. I took all the damage from the grasshoppers, the owners. And and look, I I get it. Le'Veon is high as shit. I, I can tell. But... I guess I get I haven't watched *The Bug's Life in a while, but I get it. Look, he's right. Le'Veon certainly has become a martyr for his holdout and how he was treated, especially with the use of the franchise tag, which has become possibly the biggest problem for an NFL running back this season. But, you know, Le'Veon, I don't know if you can take all the credit. There's been some guys to get some bad contracts. Uh, Austin Eckler, also sounded off on the running back contracts who certainly is the victim of one himself. He said, You poke the bear, you're gonna make us have to do something. The problem is what can you do? Look, the owners and the GMs are the guys that get you your job. You know, how are you, how are you gonna prove it if you're not gonna play? That's there's the caveat. That's the caveat. These guys want to hold out because they're not getting paid maybe these guys haven't been convinced that you've proved it. And maybe that is why you want to sit out. Maybe you think you've proved it to these guys in that front office. They should pay you. But just because you think you proved it doesn't mean everybody else does. Look, I think Austin Eckler's proved it. Don't think that's the way that I'm going here. Austin Eckler certainly proved it. Saquon has certainly proved it. But maybe they don't think so. And who knows if other GMs think so. Maybe that's why Austin Eckler's still in the Chargers. Yeah, we know they said they didn't want to trade him and all that, but a lot of teams don't want to trade their best players, some of their best players. I'm not going to say Eckler's the best. He's one of them, certainly. But I, I kind of get it. I don't know what you can do about it. That's the issue. And then Saquon went on a podcast in um a Le'Veon Bell-esque outfit, yellow and black stripes. But uh, he said... I could say fuck you to the Giants. I could say fuck you to my teammates. You want me to show you how valuable I am to this team? I won't show up. That's not something I want to do. Am I prepared to take it to that level? I don't know. Look, Saquon ain't showing up to training camp. I can assure you of that. There's no way in hell he'll be at training camp. Week one, that's where it gets tough. Because, look, the Giants know they need him. Daniel Jones needs Saquon Barkley 10 times more than Saquon Barkley needs Daniel Jones. And if the Giants want to make their investment in Daniel Jones look good, they better put some money into Saquon or it's not going to work in their favor. I'll tell you that. Look, I love Daniel Jones. I bought in last year. You guys heard me glazing that, man. But Saquon helps. And he helps a whole lot more than most running backs could. But on the other side... Guys like Leonard Fournette and Daryl Henderson Jr. getting workouts. They both worked out for the Patriots, and you know they're not going to take that kind of money. They don't need $10 million. They just want to play the game. And if they can give you 70 80% of what Saquon's going to give you for half the money, shit, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Why not? Uh, Look, I, I totally understand where the owners are coming from. Is it unfair to the running backs? Hell yes. Running back position is so, so big, and some people just refuse to acknowledge it, but it's huge. But from the owner's standpoint, if I can get the same amount of production out of two guys that cost me just as much as it would to pay one guy, why wouldn't I do that? It gives me a backup. It gives me a lifeline. If one of those guys goes down, I have the next guy who's just as good, and all of a sudden we've got 75%, 80% of Saquon Barkley. But if Saquon goes down, we have nothing. Because you're not going to pay the next guy behind him enough, and you're not going to have a good enough guy behind him. You get two guys that are even half as good as Leonard Fournette and Daryl Henderson, or sorry, if you get two guys that are half as good as Saquon Barkley, then you're set. I, I, I get it. I get what the owners are doing here. But you got to give them the money. You You can't keep manipulating the market. And that's what they're doing. They're essentially a couple of guys, you know, probably owners conspiring about this themselves you know i don't know if that's the case but it certainly could be that they're all like well how do we stop paying running backs so much if they're not going to contribute you know like a quarterback does in today's nfl well the next guy that's up for contract don't pay him a lot or just franchise tag him or let him go after his first contract yeah you could do that you certainly can but those owners that won't pay their guys, aren't going to get a Nick Chubb. They're not going to get a Derrick Henry. They're not going to get a Christian McCaffrey. They're going to get a rental. They're going to draft a guy. They're going to pay him his millions. Then they're going to let him walk and make him deal with whatever. Or they're going to franchise tag him and absolutely fuck him over. Like Saquon and Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs all got this offseason. So, look, if you want to get rid of him, do it. But don't hold them hostage with a franchise tag. You know, don't don't give them this false sense of hope that you still want to negotiate. Because if you're not going to be realistic, you might as well let them go. There's no reason to, to you know, mistreat these players just because they're not doing what you thought they might. Or they're not putting in the contributions to this offense that they should in your mind. It's unfair. It really is. So, um, all the running backs out there, I side with you. Um, mainly because my team, the Falcons, just drafted uh, a, a running back pretty high in the draft and a very good running back at that. And I don't want this to be the situation. It's not going to be the situation. It can't be. Because when you spend a seventh overall draft pick on a running back, it means you need him. And it means you're locked in, personally. When I look at a top 10 pick, you're locked in. If you're not good, that's a different story. But if you're good, you got to stay. And if they let him walk, they'd be making a huge mistake. But let's move on from the running back talk. The Steelers did agree to terms with Alex Highsmith on a four-year, $68 million extension. I would have let Luke run free with this one. But I'll take the reins here. Look, Alex Highsmith's fantastic. Last season, career high, sack numbers. He was great. He filled the role of T.J. Watt to the best of his abilities and did a pretty good job. You certainly can't knock him. And honestly, he he deserves it. He got his bag, and he's going to. You know, maybe the running back should have got some of that, but it's neither here nor there. Next, and I'm real excited about this. You guys know it from Wednesday. Peyton Manning confirms the executive producer of quarterback has confirmed it has been renewed for a second season. Wow, I'm, I'm so glad I, I couldn't be happier. This is fantastic news, truly it it, it really is. I, I couldn't have gotten better news on a Thursday than that this is going to happen because I am I, I love that series so much and uh can't wait for what we get in the next season. Next, something that's real interesting. According to Patriots insider Tom Curran, who I believe works for NBC Sports Boston, reported that Bill Belichick is on the hot seat and has been since 2019, but it's heating up now. Do we really think Bill Belichick's getting fired, though? He seems like a guy that'll go out on his own terms. He's a legend, man. And it's going to be real hard for a guy like Robert Kraft, who has been with Belichick for quite a long time, if you don't remember, to just be like, nope, you're gone. It doesn't work like that anymore. If you're winning for a long time, you've earned that respect. Mike Tomlin earned that respect in Pittsburgh. Plenty of guys across the league have earned that respect. Andy Reid has earned that respect, even if the Chiefs were, you know, Let's say they get knocked out in the first round next year. Andy Reid isn't losing his job. But Bill Belichick loses the greatest player of all time, and all of a sudden he's on the hot seat? It just doesn't make sense, in my mind. That doesn't check out. But who knows? You know, if Bill Belichick does get fired, though, there is no doubt in my mind he retires the second that happens. He has to, honestly. At this point in his career, Bill Belichick will go nowhere but new england uh, next training camp is getting started got a bunch of rookies reporting and with training camp comes split squad scrimmages my favorite part of the off season and we got the schedule, we got the schedule right here first august 8th through 9th we got two of them falcons dolphins in miami and giants lions in michigan and then august 9th only cincinnati and the Packers in Cincinnati, August 9th through 10th. We've got the New York Jets and the Carolina Panthers down in Spartanburg, South Carolina, August 10th and 11th. We've got the uh, 49ers and the Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders. We keep making that slip up. I don't know when we'll fix it, but we'll see. Uh, August 14th and 15th, we've got the Browns and the Eagles in Philadelphia, August fifteenth and sixteenth, we've got the Commies and the Ravens. That's a that's a hometowner. And then August sixteenth and seventeenth, we've got a huge lineup. We've got Bears, Colts in Indiana. We've got Jags, Lions in Michigan. We've got Patriots, Packers in Green Bay, Miami, Houston in Houston, Vegas versus the Rams. Irvine, California, up in New Jersey. We got Tampa Bay and the New York Jets. And finally, the Titans and the Vikings up in Minnesota. And then August 17th and 18th, Saints Chargers. August 22nd, Colts Eagles. August 22nd and 23rd, Pats Titans. That's going to be an interesting one for DeAndre Hopkins. We know, like, we know he likes to get physical in those split-squad scrimmages. And then August 23rd and 24th, we've got Cardinals, Vikings, and then Rams, Broncos. And to cap it all off, August 24th and 25th, Texans-Saints. I, I can't wait. I love split-squad scrimmages. Um, I think there's going to be some fights. I think, I think Washington-Baltimore has a fight brewing. I think... Uh, I think new England and, and and Tennessee might have a fight. how and they seem like scrappy teams as well as Miami and in Houston. I don't know why, but something about those two. I think there's some guys that could you know cut it loose uh, but next thing, the New York nope, not New York, New England. Patriots and the Kraft family are finalizing a $250 million renovation to Gillette Stadium, the largest upgrade in its history, 22-story lighthouse, premium spaces, the largest video board of its kind, and it's going to be ready for week one. Yes, it is going to be ready for week one of this season. So um, we probably won't see a lot of Patriots in prime time, but if you do, tune in. Look at that stadium. And then my final thing for the NFL, Scott Van Pelt will be getting the Monday Night Football countdown job. That's reported by multiple sources, and it was earlier – whoa, voice crack. It was earlier reported by uh, Andrew Marchand. He said that it was him and Laura Rutledge who were up for it, but he has been told that SVP – Got the job and all parties know. So shout out to SVP, one of the GOATs, the late time SEC or SC at night. Nothing better than Scott Van Pelt, so I can't wait to see him on Monday Night Football. And then uh yeah, that does it for the NFL news. Let's get into some storylines, cause there is a lot to look for this season. And uh I've actually got Luke's list. So, you know, I don't quite know what he was thinking with these. So, I'm going to read them off, see what's up, because, uh, yeah, there's really, <laughs> there's really no telling. Uh, his first one, Damar Hamlin, of course. That That's certainly one that we'll be following, um, and then I'm going to leave out this one, because it kind of follows along with one of mine. Uh, the Bengals contract years, like I brought up a couple weeks ago with my hot takes. Um, How will Lamar do after being the highest-paid player in NFL history. And then Derek Carr versus Jimmy G. Who was better or who will be better this season? Derek Carr's successor or Jimmy G? And then uh, the NFL without Brady. I think that's fantastic. Um, he also sent a couple others. A um, few of like the biggest X factors for each NFL team. Uh, a list that he found on Instagram through, I believe, Sports Illustrated. They've got Jair Alexander for the Packers being theirs. Um, for the Chargers, their biggest X factor, Kellen Moore's ability to unlock the offense. And don't get me started on that. We're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna hear some real uh, repetitiveness. And then the biggest X factor for the Falcons is can Kyle Pitts find another gear? Oh man, yeah. Okay, these are getting me fired up. These are making me feel some kind of way this <laughs> yeah, Kyle Pitts has certainly gotta he's gotta do something he's coming back from the injury he's gonna be healthy, we just need him we we need him on the field and we need him in the red zone. That's the biggest thing that we've missed from him throughout his entire career, really. We need him in the red zone and he just hasn't showed it, so that's definitely something I'm looking for and then. Another big X factor is what does Jalen Ramsey have left for the NFL? And I, I certainly agree. He's one that we got to survey closely with that Dolphins team. Uh, how ready is Bryce Young for the Panthers? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one because there's really no telling. Look, as much as you want to say, like, oh, well, he played on, like, the best college team or whatever, it's not the NFL. Yeah, he played in the SEC. He played some good opponents. He played some national championship games it's not it is not the NFL he did not play a roster of a bunch of guys who are fighting for their jobs day in and day out and um yeah it's going to be different but hopefully that tri- that that staff is great that staff in carolina is great that they've put together and uh hopefully that works out for Bryce except for when they're playing the falcons and then uh he had a couple others but um yeah i think that's going to do it for his i'm going to go ahead and hit you with mine <clears throat> and Let's just start here, the value of running backs. Of course, we talked about it, but this season's going to be big. Considering what happened in this past offseason, Saquon's going to be a free agent next year. Tony Pollard's going to be a free agent next year. Josh Jacobs is going to be a free agent. And a few others. There's plenty of others that will be free agents. But will anything change in the course of this season? Because... You know, it's not up to them. It's up to their OCs, it's up to their play callers. Are they gonna integrate them enough to show off their value? Is there enough there for someone to, you know, want to make that risk, take that risk and hope that it pays off? Or know what you've got, give them the money you think they deserve, and they either take it or leave it. That that's the situation. But Um, next one, what top QB is going to have a down year? Because I think somebody has to. Yeah, of course, you know, you can't expect a down year out of a guy like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. But there is some guys. Yeah. You know, we kind of saw it last year with Rodgers and Russ. Like, we weren't expecting that, but we saw it. Somebody's got to have a down year. And, um you know hopefully it's not one of these young and up and coming guys you know Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields they've got the world set for them <clears throat> you know and yep you know, hopefully it's not Lamar cuz if it is that's going to suck cuz he's never going to hear the end of it you sign the biggest contract in NFL history you got to back it up and hopefully this year is not a stinker for him cuz we've certainly seen it in the past next Can the Chiefs repeat? Because I I feel like they can, but did they make the the best moves this offseason? Did they put themselves in the position to defend themselves against the teams that made good moves? That's where I see the problem, and I I think their division got better outside of the Raiders specifically. I think the division got better... The Broncos, key additions on the offensive line. That's huge. The Chargers, they've done the right things in the draft. Yeah, questionable moves in the offseason, but I still think they've made a, a lot of good moves. I, I just i don't know if the Chiefs can. Look, they've got Patrick Mahomes. It's hard to count him out. They've got Chris Jones. They've got Travis Kelsey. I get it. But how much longer can they go? <laughs> you know? Is this really a dynasty? Do we know this yet? I don't think so, but this year they could prove it. They could be a dynasty after this year. But uh, it's up to the rest of the league because, look, the Chiefs are going to win games. But if somebody else can beat them, it's a different story. Next, who's going to be the best new coach this season? Obviously, guys like Frank Reich and, and Sean Payton have had jobs before, but you know, new scenery. But then with the Texans, D'Amico Ryan's never been a head coach, first year, bringing quite a body of work last season and over the last couple of seasons with the 49ers. And then with the Colts, you have Shane Steichen, who (coughs) has certainly showed his promise with the Eagles. And the same goes for Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon. I think that this is going to be an interesting thing to watch because, of course, Coaches get fired every year, but we never really talk about the replacements unless they're bad. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett got talked about last year because he didn't know when to call a timeout. Josh McDaniels got talked about last year because he can't do it without Bill. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of situations here where guys just aren't cutting it, and it it seems like a lot of these teams made great moves. Who's not going to pan out, though? Somebody's not whether it's this year or next year or the year after, somebody's going to lose their job. Statistically, it just happens in the NFL. But who who's going to be the best here? Sean Payton certainly has the best opportunity. Frank Reich, certainly in a great spot. Love his coaching staff, like I said. D'Amico Ryans has his claims. Great defensive head coach. I think he will be, at least. Great defensive coordinator, though. Got good young players, good veteran players on top of it. The Colts? Probably the biggest wild card here. Obviously, the Cardinals are not going to be good. We know that. The Colts have this weird opportunity to be good. I just don't know if they can do it. That's that's what's holding me back on them. But, um, yeah, that is going to do it for the storylines to look out for this season in the NFL. Let's talk some transfer news. This one, probably going to run through this uh, uh, pretty quick and uh, get us all wrapped up here. But... Let's start here. Xavi Simons is heading to Leipzig on loan after signing his extension with PSG through 2027. Look, I think you couldn't send a guy, we talked about this multiple times, but you can't send a guy to a better squad than Leipzig if you want him to grow. That's just how it goes, man. And um, I, I really do think that he could have a big impact. Yeah, maybe he's not going to get the playing time he's looking for. They've got good players out there. But they're certainly going to give him a shot. They probably won't buy them. They'll probably send them to PSG, but I think this is more of a a build-your-guy move for PSG than anything. So I really do think it's a smart move on their part, as much as I hate them. Next one, fantastic move. Uh, like, y- y- it just makes sense. Man City. Yeah, they can lose as many guys as they want, but they'll still be good. And uh, picking up Josco Vardial is huge, 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 huge move. This guy is an impenetrable force. Like that that team is going to be so goddamn good next year, and it is going to piss me the fuck off. But regardless, the next one, something that Luke would be celebrating. I think he'd pop a bottle right now if he was here with me. But Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is headed to Marseille. He is finally out of Luke's hair and off the Chelsea bench. He is gone and never coming back. I can assure you that one. Um, you know, it's not a bad move, but he's a bad player, so I guess it is. Uh, next, Jordi Alba officially joining Messi and Sergio Busquets at Inter Miami, and I'm I'm not surprised. Duh. Like, this was gonna happen. (laughs) You know, Busquets, Alba leaving at the same time, Messi wants to leave PSG, of course they were gonna team up. Did we know it was gonna be Miami? I don't think we did for a while, but... Now that it is, it is enticing for the MLS, um, at least from somebody that wants to see this league grow. Of course, I I, I said what I said. I think they're moving too fast with guys like Messi. But Alba and Busquets make a lot more sense in my mind. These are guys that fantastic, some of the best at their positions in this generation. But they don't bring along this otherworldly level of, like, celebrity that Messi is. Messi is an international superstar. There might not be another person more well-known than Lionel Messi. And I think that plays a huge part, of course, into what the MLS gave him to get here. But also, why Inter Miami was the location. Yeah, of course, Messi could have gone back to Barcelona. Alba and Busquets could have stayed. Dude, they're on vacation. They're in South Beach in their mansions. They're going to party it up a little bit. They're going to kick some fucking ass in the MLS. They're going to get their money. Messi's going to get his stock options. He's going to get his buy-in. He's going to buy his club once he retires. Duh. Like, this is going to happen. It's so obvious. They're going to dominate. (laughs) and <laughs> Inter-Miami certainly needs his help. But, yeah, uh, I'm glad these three are the ones that teamed up. At least they're guys we've seen before. I didn't want just a like, – like, I don't want to see Messi and Ronaldo play together. That's not what we want to see. We want to see guys that came up at Barcelona or whatever team and and made an impact together on a world stage, and that's what these three did. So I I, I like it. I like this group. More than I like the messy move itself. Next, Marcus Rashford signed a new deal with Manchester United through June 2028. Makes a lot of sense. Duh. Um, <clears throat> another Saudi buy here: Seiko Fofana leaving RC Lens for Al Nassr. Um, and next one's big. It looks like Man United have signed Andre Onana. They have, a, uh, I believe, the transfer will go official soon. If it has not already. Uh, But he was seen in Carrington around Manchester United's training facility. So it looks like that one's a done deal. Um, And since the world will not let me go one week without struggling to pronounce this guy's name, Rasmus Hajland. Sure. PSG is trying to compete with Man United to sign him. Of course, PSG won't let me get away with anything. They won't. They won't let me get away with happiness. During these episodes, let alone not saying a guy's name. (laughs) And it's just like, do you have to just say you're involved with everyone? Come on. You said you're involved with Harry Kane and he's like, I have no interest. Now you say you're involved with Rasmus Hochland. I don't see it happening. I don't see any of these moves happening for PSG. It just doesn't make sense. This isn't what they are. That's not what they do. It doesn't seem like, you know, recent history-wise, you don't buy the great young players. Pick up the, you know, the pretty good older players to the clubs that need some money and they know they can get it out of you. That's how it goes. Not like this. Uh, For Arsenal, looks like Declan Rice and Urien Timber are entirely official. They have put on kits for Arsenal. It's official. You guys don't need to worry. Transfer Market already has you guys as the most valuable club in the world. So, have fun coming in like fifth next year. <coughs> looks like Jordan Henderson is very close to actually completing his transfer to El Atifak to join Steven Gerrard, his former teammate. Uh, looks like Fabinho could be making the move to al Um Looks like they've agreed to a contract, but they're still waiting um till Al-Itihad pays Liverpool that 40 million dollar pound fee sorry <laughs> uh, 40 million pound fee not dollar pound um but once that does happen he will be announced and then Juan Cuadrado has completed his medical at Inter Milan and will join through the rest of this season uh a move that I really like Harvey Barnes on his way to Newcastle I think that's a big one especially um with the news that comes uh, Actually, you know, I'll go ahead and say it. Uh Alan St. Maximin out. Head to Saudi Arabia. So this is a big one for uh for Newcastle there. Harvey Barnes, a great young player, has experience with Leicester, but you know, when you go down, you gotta sell off the good ones. And then <clears throat> it appears that Al Hilal are ready to make a fifty million euro bid to sign Luis Diaz. It appears Liverpool don't wanna sell him, but sometimes that money's gonna talk. And it uh, certainly talked with Bayern because Sadio Mane uh, is officially joining Alnassar. He is joining Cristiano Ronaldo at Al Alnassar this summer. How crazy, man. Sadio Mane, just, just a couple of years ago, one of the best in the Premier League. It's it's, it's a shame, honestly, that move. It is. Uh, Barcelona have signed Oriol Romeu from Girona for only 5 million euros. Uh, his release clause, though... 400 million euros, so it doesn't look like they'll be letting him go anytime soon. And then Bayern Munich are interested in Orlan. Uh, I just totally stumbled over that one Orlan Schwameni, Aurelian. That's it, Aurelian Schwameni. And um, it appears that move's unlikely, but at the same time, I'm hearing that he's also getting attraction from Liverpool. So is it really that unlikely when multiple teams are interested? I don't know. Um, looks like Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, and Al-Hilal are interested in Marco Verratti. PSG are likely to sell him. They need the money, especially if they're going to eat the Mbappe deal. They need that $80 million that they're looking for. Like I said, Alan St-Maximin is going to undergo his physical on Wednesday with Al-Ali. And then it looks like Bayern would be willing to sell Joshua Kimmich this summer to fund a move for Harry Kane. It appears Byron has everything in place for that Harry Kane move, but where would Kimmich head? That's the thing. He is so goddamn good. I think I said a couple weeks ago, he seems like a Byron lifer. Like, he seems like it. He seems like Philip Lahm. Seems like one of those guys just, I don't know. I don't know. But looks like they are pretty close to getting rid of somebody that also seems like a guy that would stick around. West Ham are targeting Leon Goretzka to replace Declan Rice, which a wild move for West Ham if they pull it off. And it appears this one might happen because apparently Thomas Tuchel is looking for a change of scenery in the midfield. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That one's an interesting move to me, but uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll we'll definitely look closely on that one. But yeah, I I think that's going to do it. Went a lot better than I thought. Uh, I'll, I'll say it. Just over an hour. Not too bad. It's consumable. And I'll go back and listen in the morning. Look, if if your ears are bleeding, I apologize. But if you are listening right now, I really do appreciate it. The first of its kind, a solo episode by yours truly. And uh, couldn't appreciate you guys more. Uh, But as I always say, if you really did appreciate me, you would be following us on Instagram, TikTok, even Twitter. Posted one of the clips on Twitter. If you would have liked it, maybe Jeff Bassin would have seen it. Just saying. Um, but, yeah, of course, follow us on there. Follow us on Apple and Spotify. Leave us those five-star reviews. Of course, keep listening to the pod. You know, can't ask for more there. Start, start. you know, maybe mix it up a little bit. You don't have to always listen. You could you could go open that YouTube video, play it on your TV, play it on your phone just in the background. You know what? Spread, Spread the love. Maybe give it a listen on both. Do whatever you do. But when you do it, mean it. (sighs) All right, guys. It's going to do it for me. And uh, I'll see you all next week. Appreciate you all listening. Peace.